0: Well, sometimes at the beginning of the year, you want to preach a particular sermon. You, know, you want something that's going to be uplifting. Sometimes you don't know whether to look back or to look forward. And today, we're going to look in both directions. So I went back and was thinking about my sermon. I looked at some other sermons and topics of last year at the beginning of the year, and most of them had something to do with 2020 vision in 2020. And I thought, that's a pretty good title, and that's a pretty good title for our lesson today. 2020 Vision. Because I think that there was a lot of things that were seen in 2020 that normally would not have been seen. That we take every year for granted that it's always pretty much the same. They start off the same, and we do the same thing every year, and so it just continues on. But I think that we found out in 2020 that there were some things that had changed that we had we would not have envisioned some of the things taking place that have taken place for example we saw lockdowns and restrictions like never before who would have thought that you couldn't go to a family's house for easter or thanksgiving or christmas or new years or any other time for that matter stores were closed you weren't allowed to go out because of lockdowns. You saw schools that were closed and parents that were forced to become teachers. You know, and sometimes that might be a good thing, but well, it's probably not always a good thing. Especially if you don't know how to do math and you're the one that's going to have to teach it. We saw employer employees who were forced to work from home, and I'm sure that. For some, that was a new challenge, especially if they had kids and all those other things, pets and stuff at home that were always trying to interrupt. And plus, you got something at home that you don't have at the workplace, and that's the refrigerator that's pretty close by. We saw riots and destruction. We saw anger and hatred like it's not been seen before. We've seen innocent people pushed in front of subway trains. We've seen elderly people punched and left unconscious for no reason at all, except they were there. We saw selfishness and greed like I think we've not seen before. Who would have thought that you wouldn't be able to find toilet paper In 2020. You think they had that envisioned for 2020? But I'm sure a lot of us went to the store and there weren't any toilet paper and there weren't any paper towels, no lysol, no other cleaners. Lots of things missing, store shelves empty. In fact, there was one time I went to, to Myers and the meat market, their meat part was uh, not, it was very scarce. And then they brought out a, a big tray, you know, one of them racks of hamburger, and they started to put it in a tray and it was like a bunch of vultures descended upon it. And before long, boom, they were all gone. And you saw the stock boys, when they did have toilet paper, kind of just pull it out on a tray or on their wheeled cart and just leave and not say anything. And then again, people descended upon it very quick. Mask, wear a mask, but you couldn't find a mask. because Everybody bought them up. You might remember the uh, two young men, or two men, who went around Kentucky and Tennessee and bought all the hand sanitizer that they could after they heard of the first death in the U.S. uh, from the coronavirus. And they collected 17,700 bottles and they had hoped to sell it on the internet for an inflated price. And thus they would make lots of money. But then their scheme was, was, uh, came to light and they ended up donating what they'd collected to the state. I think Tennessee. Yes, with our 2020 vision, we've seen a lot. And it's shown us a lot. A lot of things that we really don't like. But what else have we learned? Why did those things happen? Why did most of those things take place? What was different about the year 2020? You see, as I said, those thing, these things don't happen in our country. We have rights, we have laws that protect us. We have all kinds of good things that help us. Stores don't normally run out of things like toilet paper and paper towel and, and lysol. Why? Why did all that happen? I think the answer is kind of simple. I don't know about you, but I think it's kind of simple. The simple answer is because we were not prepared. We were not prepared for the crisis that took place, we did not expect all that has happened to happen. There are people that blame everything that has taken place on someone else. If you're a Democrat, it's the Republicans' fault. If you're a Republican, it's the Democrats' fault. All I know is that it wasn't my fault. There was confusion on what to do. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Now wear a mask, but wear a scarf. Well, you can't wear a scarf because that's not going to work. Wash everything that comes into the house. You remember that? Go to the grocery store and have to wash off every little item that you brought in. In fact, they would say, take your clothes off at the door. Take your shoes off. Don't even bring them in the house. And then go put on something new. Something different. You can dine in. You can't dine in. You can only carry out. In some states, you can do anything and everything. other states, you can't do anything. And all of that caused confusion and made you wonder, who to believe? There were people who, could, who, who took it very seriously, while others thought that it was just a hoax. So here we are at the beginning of 2021. The title of my sermon this morning is, 2020 Vision in 2021. I guess I'm like some of those other preachers, I just like to have a catchy title because sometimes people will listen to a catchy title when they may not listen to the sermon. I know when you put 2020 vision, it's supposed to be there's a little slash in between the 2020, but that's not what I want us to think about. I don't want us to think about our eyeballs. I want to think about what we've learned from 2020 that can help us today that can help us in 2021 and in as many days as we have here on this earth. Because you see, there's something coming down the road. There's something in all of our futures that you and I need to be prepared for. It's not a pandemic. It's not a financial crisis. It's the judgment. And the Bible tells us that it will affect Every single person that has ever lived on this planet. In Second Corinthians chapter two, or Second Corinthians chapter five and verse ten, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And so the Bible plainly tells us that there's a day coming. And that we're going to stand before our judge and we're going to be judged according to the life that we've lived here on this earth. And it doesn't matter whether you're a good person or a bad person. It doesn't matter whether you're prepared or unprepared. We're all going to stand there on that day and give an account of our lives. In 2 Peter chapter 3, and verse 10, it says, "...but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat, and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up." So Peter is telling us that, yes, we're, there's this day coming. And we're all going to stand before God, and we're going to give an account of our lives. We're going to stand before our Savior. Then hopefully we're ready for that day. But it's going to come when we least expect it. It's going to come as a thief in the night. A time when we may think that it's not going to happen, but we need to be prepared. In Matthew chapter 24, and verse 36, it says, But the day and the hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels in heaven, but our heavenly Father only. So God is the only one that knows when that day is going to come, but the Bible tells us that that day is going to come and that we need to be prepared, we need to be ready for it. And don't think that because death comes into your life before the Lord returns, that you're going to miss out on that occasion. Because the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 that it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. And so we're still going to answer, we're still going to have that judgment day, whether we're dead or alive when the Lord returns. And in fact, in John chapter 5 and verse 20, beginning of verse 28, Jesus said, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear His voice and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. And so the question I want to ask is, doesn't it make sense that we would want to be prepared for the judgment? Doesn't it make sense that we need to do all that we can when we know that that day is going to come, we know that it's out there on a the horizon, and eventually it is going to get here, and we need to be prepared for it. Shouldn't you want to be prepared for the judgment that will determine where you will be based on the life that you lived here on this earth? It will determine your destiny forever. So the question is, how do I prepare for the judgment? You know, we may not have been prepared for 2020, but we can be prepared for the judgment. How do I get ready for that day? For the answer, we need to look at the Bible. Because how do we know that there's going to be a judgment day? We know because the Bible tells us that there's going to be a judgment day. All those passages of Scripture that we just mentioned tell us that there's something ahead that we're going to to face. And so the Bible is what tells us about it. So wouldn't it make sense that the Bible would tell us how to prepare for it? And the Bible does. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means that I have sinned. That means you and I have sinned. We're guilty. And we deserve to die because Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And so we deserve to die. And a, Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 2, it tells us, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So sin separates us from God. So we think the, the, the COVID is bad, the COVID virus is bad, but guess what? Sin is worse. Because there's only so much that that virus can do. That virus may take our lives, it can make us very sick, and it may take our lives. But it cannot kill us spiritually. Sin can destroy us spiritually. It can cause spiritual death. Eternal separation from God. So sin is worse than any pandemic. And so, we need to acknowledge that I have sinned. I'm I'm lost. I need to do something about it. Now here's the good news. Jesus died for our sins. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received, and how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture. That passage goes on and tells us that He was laid in a tomb and that He arose on the third day. But the point is, of, that I want to make here is that Jesus died in our place. He died for your sins and my sins. We, he did not deserve to die. He didn't deserve the punishment that He he endured because of our sin. But He willingly went to the cross because He loved us and cared for us. And God had that plan. And His blood was shed for your sins and my sins and all of mankind's sin. And it's the blood of Christ that makes it possible for us to have our sins forgiven. And we can thank God that He made it possible for us to be saved from our sins by sending His Son to die on a cross that we might have redemption and that we might have life eternal. Oh, what a blessing it is. You see, no one can make atonement for their sins without the blood of Jesus Christ. I can't do enough good things, you can't do enough good things in order to earn salvation. I need the blood of Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, For by grace ye are saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so from that passage of the Scripture, it says that we are saved by the grace of God. That means that God give us a plan. We don't deserve it. But God made a way so that you and I could be redeemed, so that you and I could be bought back, so you and I could get out of that lost relation or that lost condition and have our relationship with God like God intended from the beginning. But we need the blood of Christ. And through God's grace and through our belief and faith in what He's taught, we accept that plan that He's given us and we obey it. In Titus chapter 3, verse 5, it says, "...not of works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost." It's not my works. You know, sometimes people say baptism is a work. Well, yeah, it's a work, but it's a work that God's told us about. It's a work that God has required out of you and I. It was Jesus who said that we needed to be baptized in order to be saved. We cannot do enough good good things to save our soul. We're dependent upon God's grace and His mercy for our salvation. But that does not mean that there is nothing required for us to do. We still have things that we need to do. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21 Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So if I want heaven to be my home, if I want to be prepared for that day that's coming, that judgment day, then guess what? I need to do and I must do my Father's will. Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 15 If you love me, Keep My commandments. No one can be prepared for judgment. No one can be prepared for that day without doing what Jesus Christ says we must do. And so we acknowledge our sin. We acknowledge the fact that we're lost. We acknowledge the fact that we need God's salvation. We need His mercy. We need His, His grace. But we also realize there's things that we need to do. And what, what is one of those things? We must obey the Gospel. Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, 15, and 16 to go into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. That Gospel message is what we've already been talking about. It's, it's the fact that Jesus died for our sins. He died in your place. He died in my place. He died for our sins. That He was buried. That He rose victorious over the grave. That's the good news. And why is that gospel so important? Think about what it says in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 and 17. For it says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, The just shall live by faith. That gospel message is important because therein lies the power of salvation. You want to be saved? That message is important. Don't compromise what Jesus says that we must do in order to be saved. He said, Go into the world, preach the gospel. If you believe it and you're baptized, you'll be saved. But if you don't believe it, then you're going to be lost. And why is it important? Because that gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And so in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, when they cried out, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What did Peter say? He said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you want your sins remitted, what did they need to do? They needed to be baptized. What did they need to repent of? Their sin. They were guilty of crucifying Christ. They needed to turn and put their trust and faith in God. Put their trust and faith in Christ as the Messiah who has saved, who made it possible for them to be saved. And so Peter is saying the same thing that Jesus said when He said, Go into all the world and preach the Gospel. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's exactly what Peter was doing on the day of Pentecost. And when you think about what Jesus did, dying on the cross for our sins, laid in the tomb and raising victorious over the grave so that you and I could rise victorious over the grave to a home in heaven if we're faithful to Him. We see that picture in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 6, where it says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For we've been planted together in the likeness of his death. We shall be also in a likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that the old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Listen to those verses. We're planted together in the likeness of His death. So we go down into that water. We're laid in a tomb of water. Jesus was laid in the tomb when He died on the cross. So He came up out of the grave and He had been changed. We come up out of that watery tomb a new person, a new creature. Sins washed away by the blood of Christ. We go down in the likeness of His death. We come up in the likeness of His resurrection. Now who, when you see those verses and you see the picture that's painted, who could say that baptism isn't essential to salvation? How could anyone say that? Jesus said it was. Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 and 27, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. How do I put on Christ? Through baptism. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 21. Peter says, In a like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away the filth of the flesh, but an answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what we need to do in order to get prepared for that day. If you're not a Christian, that's what you need to do. Exactly what we're talking about obey the gospel. That gospel is the fact that Jesus died for our sins, was buried, and He arose victorious over the grave. We reenact that through the act of baptism. But before we can even be a candidate for that, we have to have faith. And we have to confess the name of Christ. And we need to repent of our sins, turn away from those things, and then we can be buried with our Lord in baptism. That's what we see in the Bible. The book that tells us there's a day coming. There's a judgment day approaching. It's the same book that tells us what we need to do to be prepared for it. And that's something that we need to do. And all of this is very important to us if we want to be prepared for the judgment. But the question is why? Why is it important to obey the Gospel? I'll tell you why. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. And you who are troubled, with us, or troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Is it important to obey the gospel in order to be prepared for that day? It most certainly is. Why? Because the Bible says that the Lord is going to return to take vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the Gospel. So brother, we need to make sure that we're prepared. We need to tell other people about the message that they can, that they can be saved. Don't compromise what the Bible teaches us. Don't compromise what Jesus says you and I need to do. Because someone out there may, may not like what we're saying. And I have people say, oh, you know, I, I think this is what I believe. You know, I, I think it's all right. You know, what I'm doing is okay. I know it's not what the Bible says, but, I, you know, I just feel good about it. And you have different religions that are saying the same thing. Well, I don't believe that baptism is essential. You know, just pray this prayer. That's all you got to do. Accept Him into your heart and that's it. No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said believe. And yes, belief is important. But you have to follow through because He expects you also to repent. Then He also expects you to confess. And He also expects you to be baptized. So let me stress it again. Obeying the Gospel is very important if you want to be prepared and saved on the Day of Judgment. And even after you've obeyed the Gospel, you must continue to be faithful. That word faithful isn't really a very long word at all. But there's a lot in that verse. And sometimes we you know we just take things for granted. You know, obey the gospel. We we've grown up in a church or we've we've studied, we know what that means. A lot of times people out there don't know what that means, and so I've hopefully explained it a little bit in this sermon. But sometimes when we say be faithful, what does that mean? What does that involve? You know, just be faithful. That's good. You know, you got five steps on how to become a Christian, but afterwards, be faithful unto death. What does that mean? That means that we're supposed to study. That means that we're supposed to pray. That means that we're supposed to attend services. That means that we're supposed to say the things that God wants us to say. We seize the opportunities to do good to all people, especially those in the household of faith. We we do a lot of things. There's a lot of things involved in that. We watch our language. We watch our attitudes. We watch our motives. We do all of those things. That's all involved in a lot of other things that I don't have time to mention this morning are involved in that simple word of be faithful. But it's important that we be faithful, that we continue on. And the Bible wants us to understand that it's not something that you just obey the gospel and then you're done, that's it. God expects you to continue to do what He's told you to do even after you become a Christian. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, and verse 62, "...no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God." In other words, when we become a Christian, don't look back at the world and say, Oh, I want to do those things. And sometimes that's what our problem is. We get caught up and we want to be just like the world. We want to have one foot in in, in the kingdom of God, but we also want to have a little foot in the in the world. We want to enjoy some of those things. Jesus says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you in Matthew chapter six and verse thirty three. So, we have to seek God first. And that's not just when it's convenient for us. We're to seek God first all the time, every day of our life. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22, and verse 37, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. John chapter 14, and verse 15, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. And so, God expects us. To be obedient, to be faithful in our service. Now, when we do those things, let's say we could do everything that we're supposed to do. What does Jesus say? We've done all that is our duty to do. We're still unprofitable servants. So, what does that mean? I still need the blood of Jesus Christ to save my soul. But does God expect me to be obedient to His will? Throughout all my days, after I become a Christian, yes, he does. In Hebrews chapter eight or five and verse eight, it says, "Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience <clears throat> by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him." When we learn what the New Testament teaches us, we need to obey it. But we need to obey it because we love the Lord, because we want to be prepared for the judgment day. It's not enough just to go through the motions and do those things. Our motives have to be correct. I want to do what I'm doing because I love God, because I love people. And that's what 1 Corinthians the 13th chapter shows us. There's a lot of good things that we can do, but it's not going to profit us anything if we're not motivated by love. And that's why it's important that we love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our strength and all of our mind. But just like We've seen in 2020, many will blame someone else for their problem. Many will blame others on the day of judgment for why they are lost. There will be some who will say that it's someone else's fault. And that goes all the way back to the beginning of time. When Adam and Eve were placed in a garden and told not to eat of the forbidden fruit, they ate of that forbidden fruit and they realized that they had sinned. And when God came looking for them, He came to Adam and He questioned Adam. And what was Adam's response? Well, it's Eve's fault. She made me do it. And then in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 13, when He questioned Eve, what did she say? It's the serpent's fault. And it's continued that way on down through time. Where we do something we know that's wrong. And instead of accepting the responsibility ourselves, we want to blame it on someone else. The man with one talent. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse 24, beginning, Then he which received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. What's he saying? It's not my fault. It, I knew you were a hard person. I knew you, you, you reaped where you hadn't sown. And so I just hid it. It's not my fault. It's your fault. Then you got the people at the judgment scene that we see in Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 42, when Jesus says, For I was hungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not, not in. Naked, and you clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they say unto him, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall He answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. In other words, it's not our fault. If we would have known it was you, Lord, we would have done something. So it's not our fault. Who are we going to blame if we're lost on the day of judgment? We can't blame anyone but ourselves. It's not going to be someone else's fault because God's done all that He can do so that you and I could be saved. Then just like in 2020, there will be those who are confused and are confused on what to do. There are hundreds of different religions out there in this world. Many of them say different things you need to do in order to be saved. Sometimes they justify their actions by saying, well, times have changed. you got false teachers that are out there telling people what they need to do to prepare for that day when in fact they're leading them in the wrong direction. They're not taking them to what the Bible says. It's what their opinion is or what they think or what they hope. And thus all of those religions and all of those teachings make you ask the question who do you believe let me tell you this morning who to believe don't believe me believe the word of god trust him It was Jesus who said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, verse we've already talked about, "...not everyone that saith unto Me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of My Father which is in heaven." How do I find the will of the Father which is in heaven? He's in heaven. He's not here talking to me. I go to His Word. The same Word that tells me there's a judgment day coming, the same Word that tells me what I need to do to be saved, It's the same word that eliminates all the confusion in this religious world. Study that word. Read that word. But do it with an open mind. Don't go in with preconceived ideas. Don't go in saying, this is what I want to look for. This is what I want to find. Because you can pretty much find whatever you want if that's what your goal is. Our goal should be to find out what God wants, not what someone else wants. Jesus said, Why call ye me Lord, Lord? And do not the things which I say in Luke chapter 6 and verse 46. So Jesus is expecting people to do what he said. And what did he say? In order to be saved? Believe and be baptized. He also mentions repentance and is confessing his name and having faith. He mentions all of those. Which one can I leave off? None. Because 2 John verse 9 says, Whosoever transgresses and abideth not in the doctrines of Christ, hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrines of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. So if I'm not telling people what God's Word says, and exactly what God means with that Word, then I'm leading people astray. And I'm not in the doctrines of Christ, which means I'm not abiding in Christ and I don't have Him or the Father walking with me. Who knows better than Jesus about what we need to do to prepare for the judgment? Trust in God. But just like the pandemic, there are those who take it seriously and then there are others who think it's just a hoax. There are some people who believe that what this Bible says is true. And there are some people that take it very seriously, that they want to be prepared for that day. But then there's others that just kind of look at the Bible and say, that's just something that man came up with. That it's not real. That it's just a hoax. Jesus said in John chapter 12 and verse 48 He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words, hath one judged of him. The word that I have spoken the same will judge Him in the last day. We're going to be judged by the words of our Lord. Whether we think it's real or fake, we're going to be judged by His words. In Psalms 14, and verse 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So don't be one of those who thinks it's just a hoax. Take it seriously. And finally, just like the things seen in 2020 that we thought would never happen in America, some think that the judgment will never happen. And Peter warns us about people like that in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 3, when he says, "...knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust, and saying, where is the promise of His coming?" For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. It's going to happen. We may be here next year. We may not be. It could happen today. And the question is, if it happened today, are you ready? Are you prepared or are you unprepared? You see, you can't be surprised when it takes place. Because it's going to take place. And it will be a terrible day, a terrible day, for those who are not prepared for that day. We've seen the reaction that people have of the things that's happened in 2020. What will be the reaction for those who were unprepared for the judgment day? A Hebrew writer says in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? And the answer is there is no escape. We're going to be judged by the life that we lived. We'll be judged whether we're prepared or unprepared. Eternity is forever. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 30. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41, then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For those that are unprepared, it will be the worst day that they could ever imagine. Why? Because they're going to that place of outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. A place that was prepared for the devil and his angels. You don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. But here's the best news. You don't have to go there. You can be at the judgment prepared. Heaven can be your final destination. If you'll do what the Bible teaches you need to do, In order to be saved, Jesus makes it very simple. The Word of God reveals the judgment that's coming, but it also reveals the good news. About when we were lost in a lost condition, our Savior came to die so that you and I did not have to die in that condition, be launched into eternity lost. He made it possible that you and I could be saved. And so this morning, if you're not a Christian, we would encourage you to become a child of God. Start that, that path today that leads to that judgment, knowing that you're living now to please our Lord. And if you're not baptized into Christ, then you need to be baptized into Christ. And don't put it off. Do it now. Don't set a date for you know next month or two weeks from now. Do it today. Do it now. Because today is the day of salvation. And as the song says tomorrow... It may be too late. So make preparation today. And if you're not living as you should, then I would like to encourage you to get ready for that day. Because it's a terrible day if you're unprepared, but it'll be the greatest day of your life if you are in a saved condition. So are you prepared? If you need to respond, please do so while we stand in scene.